going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 73 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman Core. Week eight in the books. With that also comes the NFL trade deadline passing this past Tuesday. An action-packed day. We'll definitely unpack some of the deals that went down as well as some of the games from this past weekend. And, yeah, I'm excited definitely to get into it. Like I said, it was it was definitely a busy week of football. Yeah, definitely a busy week of football. And then, yeah, during the week, right before the trade day, day, trade deadline, a lot of a lot of deals went down, a lot of key players on the move. So, yeah, a lot to talk about for sure. Yeah, and listen, the NFL trade deadline, I think maybe – doesn't it doesn't get like as much love if you ask me as like the MLB trade deadline normally, but like last year, Von Miller getting dealt to the Rams and then the Rams winning the Super Bowl, maybe that inspired some teams this year. You know what? Let's add another missing piece. We're gonna start in the AFC with some of the bigger deals that were made. I think you would argue the biggest deal of the day happened with the Miami Dolphins. They're trying to go all in in a sense with Tua Tugavailoa, and they trade for Bradley Chubb. They give up a first rounder. In this upcoming draft, I believe it's actually the San Francisco, San Francisco's first, which they possessed from the Trey Lance trade, as well as a fourth rounder and Chase Edmonds, who was a complete throw in. They get back Bradley Chubb on top of a fifth round pick. Chubb, former fifth overall pick in 2018, he's due for a contract extension, which is a little interesting at the time of the trade, just because that means that the Dolphins have no leverage now. You absolutely have to pay Bradley Chubb if you ask me now that you give him a first round pick for him. A guy who's dealt with some injuries. In the past couple of years, had a huge rookie year. Hasn't really necessarily produced that those numbers of production, but looks like he's on his way to that this year. Five and a half sacks through the first eight games. So for the Dolphins, adding a big edge ed rusher to go opposite of Jalen Phillips, hopefully to kind of shore up their defense and get after Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and the rest of the top team, like Lamar Jackson as well in the AFC. But yeah, the Dolphins, they see their offense is – on par, they think, with the best of the best in the league, and they want to sure up somebody in their front seven. So it's an aggressive move, if you ask me, but I think it definitely has a chance to pay off. Yeah, I mean, I think the Miami Dolphins, when you're talking about pure offense, with Tua Tagovailoa, I mean, they're pretty dynamic. I think thing I got to see more is them against, like, a good defense. Like, I know they played against the Bills um, earlier in the year, and – I don't know. I'm not really – I need to see Tua against, like, better defenses. I feel like he definitely eats up on, like, weaker defenses like the Lions. But, um, yeah, this is about their defense, I think. For them to go all in, I think – I love the move. I mean, yeah, I think the Bills and Chiefs are better than everyone. But I think, like, for to be the third team in the AFC, I think – yeah, I think it's wide open. I think the Dolphins are one of the teams who possibly can. You go out and make a splash. Get Bradley Chubb, another um, edge rusher. Like, you look at the Dolphins' defense, definitely in the bottom half in sacks. So, I think a guy, five and a half sacks from Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb, I think, yeah, to to go in line with Jalen Phillips. I like the move. Um, Yeah, they bring in – I mean, from that, what, from trading the pick to the Niners for Trey Lance, what they get. Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, and Bradley Chubb. So, I think, yeah, the Dolphins are making some big moves. And, yeah, I mean, I certainly like the move. I think for the Broncos, certainly not the season they've expected early on. And, yeah, it's the reason why they're selling Bradley Chubb their best their best um, edge rusher. So, yeah, Dolphins going all in. I like it. I think definitely makes their pass rushing defense uh, a lot better. Yeah, I like what you mentioned about that. Maybe you want the 
the Dolphins to be a little bit more battle tested against some of the top teams in the AFC. In like in a sense of that, their offense has put up some big numbers really against like I know I just said like battle tested and they beat the Ravens and they beat the Bills, but their offense wasn't great in that game against the Bills and the Ravens. Obviously, they were great in the fourth quarter. But again, a nice little double digit comeback they had this past week against the Lions. They thought that's maybe enough in a sense. And it seems like they're a lot higher on Tua maybe than the outside world is. I still think that Tua has done enough this year to at least show that he can be more than capable, especially with the weapons that they have around him within Mike McDaniel's system. So I don't necessarily know if Chubb, like I said, especially because he's on an expiring deal and you're going to need to pay him, is worth a first rounder. But I do think the Dolphins' line of thinking is right in the sense of, like, maybe this is the time to strike. Like, Let's get as good as we possibly can be. We needed an edge rusher and Chubb, who, who they decide to. And you know what? If It's going to be a first. It's a steep cost. But, yeah, so be it. Let's see if we can go win a Super Bowl. So I'm curious, Core. We'll, we'll touch on it. Like, where do you think this puts – like, do you think Chubb is enough of an X factor to, like, say that they can beat the Chiefs or the Bills in a playoff game now? Honestly, <clears throat> I think – it makes them better, but to be honest, I, I don't think it makes them a team who can beat the Bills or the Chiefs. I, I mean, the offense, I think, is really good, but I think at the end of the day, I don't think it's on those two teams' levels. Maybe the Chiefs. I certainly don't think it's on the Bills. I think the Bills are a step above, like a little bit above the Chiefs right now, but, I mean, the Bills on defense, even like with secondary players out, like Micah Hyde, I think, still a really good defense. Um and that offense is just absolutely explosive. I mean, it's got to be one of the best offenses personally that I've seen in a while. Maybe like the Chiefs from a few years ago. But no, I don't. I don't think getting Bradley Chubb makes the Dolphins a team who like I particularly see beating uh, the Chiefs or or the Bills. But I, I like I like them going for it. But I don't think they beat either one of those teams. Yeah, I don't think again. But I do think in one sense, like. It gives them potentially a shot just because of, again, how Chubb can get to the passer. And then you have him and Phillips on opposite sides. Obviously, they have some big names in their secondary as well. Javon Holland, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones. So, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, you got to like, like get pressure on these guys. And Allen and Mahomes, obviously, we know how good they are outside of the pocket and improvising and stuff. But maybe just enough can, like, I don't know, if you can get after them with four. Like, that seems to be, like – and you can play and avoid some of the big splash plays that they have, maybe that's a way that, I mean, it's kind of what the Dolphins did against them in the regular season. They avoided a lot of big plays by the Bills, forced the Bills to go on a lot of long drives, and yeah, the Bills gained a ton of yards, but they didn't translate that into enough points, so I think it's a good move by the Dolphins, and I think I'm definitely curious to see how it plays out. I personally think it puts them a step above the Ravens, who we'll talk about in just a second, even with the Ravens' last move, but yeah, I think it was a job well done by the Dolphins. Like I said, a little bit of a like a steep price to pay, but I think it ultimately was worth it. They also did get Jeff Wilson for, I believe, a fifth-round draft pick, help ensure their running back room. I also thought that was a solid move, too. I know they dumped Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds was useless, so good for the Dolphins. That's an upgrade there in their running back room. I mentioned the Ravens being a step below the Dolphins. That's even with them going just recently acquiring Roquan Smith, who, again, is another pending free agent, another – Top 10 pick in the 2018 draft on the move. 
uh, for a second and a fifth round pick. The Ravens will get a compensatory pick if Roquan moves. So it's kind of almost like a rental. You see that a lot more in baseball when a team trades and the end of July and then they get the guy for two months. Not really as much in football, but it looks like that potentially what this could be. They did just beat the Bucks, honestly, like without Mark Andrews too going down in the game. So it was an impressive victory on Thursday night football for them. I think it spoke more about the Bucks inefficiencies, but I'll still give the Ravens the benefit of the doubt. Roquan Smith will definitely help shore up the middle of their defense where there's been a little bit of holes. Patrick Queen hasn't been great this year. I like I said, I still think I'd put the Dolphins like and the Ravens, they're neck and neck with each other. I I I think I like the Dolphins maybe a little bit more, but again, I think this is another move that the Ravens are adding up all all pro level, I guess you want to say, talent in attempt to put them on level with the Chiefs and the Bills. So again, I, I can't hate the move. I can't hate a team for trying here. Yeah, I mean I think whenever you go out and you get like a a top level type player at, at their position. I think, yeah, it certainly makes your team better and it certainly shows you're going for it. And Payo, like, I honestly agree. I don't I don't always love agreeing just because, you know, like this is a podcast. The listeners probably want to hear different takes, but I just like the Dolphins better strictly because, like, I think Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Tua Tugavailoa. But, I mean, two, I mean, Lamar does not have Jalen Waddle and um, Tyree Kill to throw to. And – I mean, Tua is a really accurate quarterback. I just think the fluidity of like the the Dolphins offense, I think, is just it's just more trustworthy in my opinion. Like, I think that the Ravens are good, but there's just like a lot of games. Like, they're not. It just it seems like every game for them is just going to be a close game. Like, it's going to come down to being close. Their offense, to me, they don't really have that many weapons on the outside, especially if Mark Andrews goes down. Like, yeah, um, likely comes in, does a really good job, but. Just not that fluid of an offense. Like, yeah, they got to rely a lot on the running game. Um, Lamar running, but like passing the ball. I mean, Lamar's throwing well, but I just like I think the Dolphins are a lot more fluid of an offense, a lot more like team who can move up and down the field, um, a lot better. But yeah, I think getting Roquan certainly helps that defense. They haven't been great this year. They've been they've been pretty good, but not great. So I think whenever you go out and get a like a star type player, I think certainly going to make your defense better. But yeah, I'm still taking the Dolphins just strictly off. I believe more in the Dolphins offense than the Ravens. I don't believe in Lamar more than Tua, but like overall as an offense, I'm believing more in the Dolphins. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, I think Roquan will help a lot too in pass coverage. I mean, the Bucks. I mean, they run like their rushing attack has been really bad this year. They only ran for 44 yards against the Ravens on Thursday night football. And then the Ravens were still still going at Roquan, so it's kind of like, you know what I mean? Like their run defense is all right. Like it's not, it's like like it's all right. You know what I mean? This is kind of just again, Roquan will help out their defense as a whole, especially in the passing game in the middle of the field. So hopefully for the Ravens again, like I said, another team at five and three. This was a move that could put them onto the Chiefs and Bills level. We didn't see the Chiefs and the Bills make a ton of moves. We saw them really make one move each to try to load up on offense. Kadarius Tony goes to the Chiefs from the Giants, get traded for a third and a conditional sixth, I want to say. And Naheem Hines goes from Indianapolis to Buffalo. Core, I'll take the other one that you don't say. You could take either one of the two moves. Like, pick pick which one you think has more of an impact this year, you basically think. Because I don't think that, again, Tony isn't going to walk into the Chiefs and be Tyree Kill as much as people want to make the comparison. And Naheem Hines isn't going to go to Buffalo and be an every down back and be 
what they thought Christian McCaffrey could be. But I still think these are solid pieces to potential Super Bowl teams. So I'm curious which one you think has a bit of, bigger impact for the rest of 2022. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. I think a team who, I mean, rushing-wise, they're not very good. They, I mean, they're like kind of like a little under middle of the pack, but they're just like a great passing team. I think when you look at the, the Chiefs, I think they have so many weapons. Already you got you got to like speedsters too. Like I mean, Juju's not like a true speedster, but you got Hardman, um, Marquez Valdez Scanling. Those are two like really fast guys. I think Tony certainly helps them with like playmaking, but like Mahomes already has like a lot of playmakers. Even like Sky Moore, I know he hasn't really been involved, but like you got you got a lot of playmakers. I think Naheem Hines. Like you look at that um running back room. Like, I, I think Singletary is still, like, probably the starting running back. James Cook's been pretty good, too. But, like, Naheem Hines, I think, could make a bigger difference in Buffalo than Kadarius Tony makes in Kansas City. Strictly off, I think I think if Hines gets, a, like, affiliated with that offense, I think he could, like, eventually take over and get, like, the most touches out of any back uh, out of any running back in that backfield. I don't know how much Kadarius Tony will, will get. I think when he gets the ball, like, he'll – He's good with the ball in his hands, but I think I think Tony's going to be a guy. Like I don't see Tony ever getting over five targets or like six targets in that offense. Like he just has a lot of weapons. He's already familiar with. I don't see Tony getting that much volume. I think Naheem Hines, when affiliated with the offense, I still think it's a pass-first offense. But I think Hines could have a bigger impact. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, I like what you're saying. That it looks like the Bills have been trying to fill that like third down pass catching back for a while. They tried to sign McKissick in free agency. Then he kind of went back to Washington. They try to draft James Cook. And I'm not going to say James Cook hasn't been what they hoped necessarily, but maybe, maybe he hasn't, you know what I mean? I think this kind of signals that like for 2022, at least that Naheem Hines is more of what they hope that like, they, they think they need and maybe James Cook necessarily can't bring that, whether it be pass protection on third down and stuff like that. They think Hines is more veteran presence, which 100% he is, and James Cook's time will come, but not necessarily yet. With Tony, I kind of agree with you. I don't think he's necessarily going to be this receiver who plays 75 80% of snaps yet. Maybe potentially he would next year, but I think his role down the stretch this year will be he's going to be like a home run hitter in a sense that he's going to play, I don't know, 30, like, probably less than 50% of snaps. I think he can go absolutely ballistic, obviously, in the Chiefs' offense. He's a different type of receiver than, like, I don't want to say, like, than Hardman in the sense, because, like, like Tony's such, like, a, like we'll, we'll go side to, like, side to side. He's a, he's a lot more agile than Hardman. If you're asking Hardman's a lot more straight-line speed, mm-hmm. as well as MBS. So I think that Tony could complement, like, Juju well. He, he can complement Travis Kelsey well. So I think... He had like the Chiefs are going to be able to use him well. I think the Chiefs would use him as good as anybody in the league. But I'm I'm ex- I'm I'm scared to see it as a Giants fan. Obviously, I think it was the right move for them to kind of move on from him. Clearly, he didn't have a fit with the new regime. He got a third round pick for Joe Shane is good, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's got a chance to really shine with a guy like Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position. So it's definitely in uh, some a player to keep your eye on because again, he's one of the he's extremely talented he i mean people will tell you if if you just looking at the player's talent there's no way he was worth a third like he was worth more than a third round pick but that's just not how it works there's a lot more things that go into it moving over to the nfc core we'll talk about some big performances there individual performances we had a ton 
We'll start first with the 7-0 Philadelphia Eagles who beat the Pittsburgh Steelers pretty handily, 35-13. to Headlined by A.J. Brown's huge day, six catches, 156 yards, three touchdowns. Cord, we just talked about a couple trade deadline deals that went down. The offseason trade of A.J. Brown, I was maybe a little bit critical of. Not that necessarily he wasn't worth the first-round pick, but was he worth a first-round pick and then a $25 million a year contract? Games like that tell you, yeah, how well that Jalen Hurts has played with him. Or you're like, yeah, no-brainer. So good for Howie Roseman and stuff like that. And hopefully for the Eagles, it's the engine that keeps on rolling. This week, they they play on Thursday night. They have the Texans so you would in Houston. So you would think that that shouldn't be too much of a problem. But, yeah, I mean, in a spot that, like, Pittsburgh like could have got caught them maybe off their bye week. They didn't really show any signs of slowing down. Their defense was real good again, one up front. And, yeah, A.J. Brown, like I said, had a big day in the air. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this – I mean, I think A.J. Brown coming to um, to Philly, I think, certainly has helped Jalen Hurts. I think Hurts has shown a lot of improvement. But, I mean, having a receiver like A.J. Brown, I think certainly, like, helps – they, they, they help each other. I think Hurts has definitely improved, I think. His performance on Sunday, I mean, yeah, it's against, like, a pretty – pretty like not good Pittsburgh Steelers team and defense right now but I mean still like three touchdowns in the first half I mean you gotta think I think AJ Brown's gotta be like at least the top top eight receiver in the league I mean he he is pretty explosive he's strong has really good hands can really do it all so I mean yeah I think Philly the thing about the Eagles is like they have looked so good but like you want to talk about battle tested I think they really haven't had it that much. I mean, going into Arizona was like a little bit of a ballot battle tested game. Um, Vikings at home is a good win. Maybe Dallas at home, but like besides that, it's been pretty slight type schedule. I think Philly is legit. I mean, they're a really talented team. I think you look at that roster before the season, you're like, this is a, this could be a Super Bowl contending team, and I think so far, obviously they've shown that. I just need to see them. We'd be a little more bad. Like, I just want to see them against, like, a top team. But I think, honestly, like, this year is just, like, more of a down year amongst, like, good teams in the league. So, like, you look at their schedule. I mean, they play, like, Dallas, like, New Orleans, the Giants. Like, they don't play any, like, I know it's an AFC. Like, they don't play the Chiefs. They don't play the Bills. They don't even play, like, the 49ers. So, I don't know. I mean, I think this team is for real. I think A.J. Brown's a legit wide receiver one. And... Yeah, I mean, I just want to see, like, a matchup against them, like, against a top, top dog, like the Bills or the Chiefs. But I think we'd have to possibly wait for that in this, until the Super Bowl if that happens. But, yeah, I think the Eagles are definitely legit. Yeah, I mean, I, the game, I guess, to circle on your calendar, I think maybe a couple weeks back would have been the Packers on Sunday Night Football. Now I think you would say that's gross. Like, I don't, like the game to circle for me is Philadelphia in week, 16 goes to Dallas and plays in Dallas. Like, it's crazy that we're going on to, what, week nine, and I'm already circling week 16 as, like, that's that's Philly's test right there. Like, mm-hmm. and like I'm not going to – I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Dallas. Like, Dallas' defense is be- best in the league, right? But, like, it's not – again, it's not like Dallas is this, like, top no, – undisputed top five team in the NFL right now. Like, that, that that's their biggest test if you ask me. Like – the Colts aren't what they – like, going to Indy should have been a tougher game preseason, like, on the schedule. If not, I mean, going to, going to play the Giants, if you ask me, is going to be a pretty good game for them. That's, like, a decent test, if you ask me, depending on if the Giants 
keep playing like some real strong football. I think that, that that should be a good test. I'm definitely excited to see that, how they fare there, especially on like in the trenches. Cause I think the giants offensive line hasn't been great. They've been much improved, but the giants defensive line has played really well. They haven't necessarily done a great job of like on a yards per play basis and a total yards thing, but their defense, like that defensive line has competed and won them games. So I'm definitely interested to see that. I think the NFC East battles will be big for Philadelphia to see how they compete in those. Christian McCaffrey, he had kind of a tease of a debut in that game for the 49ers against the Chiefs. He got his real full game action against the Rams this past week. Didn't disappoint. First player since LT with a passing, a rushing, and a receiving touchdown in the game. I forgot exactly how many yards he went for. It was disgusting. 31-14 victory with the 49ers scoring all all the points in the second half. They were down 14-10 in this game, and then they ended up winning 31-14. They just continue to have the Rams number. Um, It's Again, it's scary. People, there was no Debo Samuel in this game. It didn't matter. It's scary when Kyle Shanahan can get his hands on a player as talented as Christian McCaffrey and utilize him like he does. But, yeah, I think the 49ers, obviously an early return on a trade. You like to smile at that. But, again, I'm not, I don't want to even say I'm that surprised about this outcome of the game because it's just a repetitive pattern that – Kyle Shanahan really owned Sean McVay. And again, it played out this past week and the Rams continue to have disgusting amounts of struggles and then almost lost Cooper Cup. It looks like he's going to play this week, but he got hurt late in the game. He was down for a decent amount of time, but it looks like he avoided serious injury, which could have been catastrophic to an offense that already can't really do much of anything, even in the air. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, the Rams are in full-blown panic mode while the 49ers bounce back after a couple tough weeks in Atlanta and then at home against the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, his line was what? Like, a line at minus one and a half, I think, just, like, how these teams are playing. I know, like, the Niners are coming off a blowout loss against the Chiefs, but I don't know. This seemed like such an easy pick to me, and obviously it turned out to be they won by 17 points, but I think the Rams, it's just, like, I've, I don't know. Like, even, like, the first week when they played the Bills, I think, I didn't want to seem like I was, like, jumping like to conclusions or like just like overreacting but like you watch this offense they lean so heavily on Cooper Cup and like Cooper Cup like isn't getting like isn't getting a lot of catches it's just like this offense is like really dull like Cup even when he's I get like I don't know his yards per catch off the top of my head but there's no way it is anything high it's because they're only letting Cooper Cup catch like shorter type passes and they they're making them like go the whole field and like no one else can step up really. I mean, Allen Robinson, I mean, kind of been a bust all year. Uh, so I think Cooper Cup's like the only guy and they're forcing the Rams to go short and he's not had a lot of like big plays at all. So I don't know this, this offense very concerning. If Cooper Cup went down, I think the Rams honestly are a bottom seven team, 10 team in the NFL. They're probably not even that much higher with Cooper Cup right now. Like they're just, they're just not a good team. And, yeah, the 49ers, I think, yeah, Christian McCaffrey comes in, does his thing. I think him and Debo will be a scary sight. I think, I don't know, if you're going to tell me who's the second best team in the NFC, I'm going to say I'm gonna say the 49ers. I know we're going to get into that a little bit later when uh, we talk about the Vikings when they got TJ Hawkinson. But I don't know. I think the Niners are – I would take the Niners over, over, the, over the Vikings and even the Cowboys right now. So, yeah, I think the Niners are legit. I think they're the second best team in the NFC.
Yeah, I'm, I'm on the Niners train too. I think that they're the biggest threat right now to the Eagles. One quick thing that I'll leave off with the Rams. It's just, again, it's the same thing. They can't run the football at all. Again, it, they didn't do it again this past week. They a mess at the running back position. Now they're saying like the Cam Akers because they couldn't, they didn't end up training him. They're saying, all right, Cam, like maybe we do want you back and stuff like that. Like it, it they have to figure something out because again, it is ugly. And like I, I've mentioned there in full blown paddock mode again. I feel like I say the same thing every single week because it just hasn't gotten better. They have a tough matchup this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers just got absolutely gashed on the ground by the Bucs, uh, by the Ravens. The Ravens just ran for over like 200 yards on them. So maybe it's a spot for them to get right. Who knows? We'll flip it back up to the positive sides of things. We said second best teams in the NFC. We're both agreeing with the 49ers. The biggest threats to that, I think you would say right now, would be the Minnesota Vikings. who do just have a nice victory over the Arizona Cardinals, an eight-point win there. More importantly after that, they trade for TJ Hawkinson. They give up a second and a future third which is a 2024 pick, but they also get back a fourth round pick with TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson, another former top 10 pick, this one in the 2019 draft, I believe he was, right? TJ Hawkinson was 20. Yeah, 2019 Hawkinson, right? Not 2020. Uh, yeah, 2019. Because he, 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 he was the same draft as what's his name? Yeah. Because he was the I same draft as um, Noah Fant, because they were like <laughs> teammates and they got drafted in the, both yeah. in the first round. So, yeah, I mean, for the Vikings, I mean, I kind of love the move here. I don't think it's a crazy price to pay at all. And, I mean, Hawkinson's a real good tight end and stuff. I'd love to see him with more of a in a capable offense with a lot of play action that Kevin O'Connell likes to run. Dalvin Cook, obviously, in the backfield. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen on the outside. I think Hawkinson has a chance to be real efficient here and a big-time weapon for Kirk Cousins. And, again, this is the Vikings kind of seeing – an opening in the NFC. They see the NFC North is kind of their division to lose right now with how bad the Packers are playing. And they say, you know what? Bring TJ Hodges to the board. I love this move. I mean, the Eagles are getting better. The Niners are getting better. The Vikings are getting better. I think, I mean, I think Dallas getting back Dak, you could say like, yeah, they're getting, they're getting better too. And that defense is already really good. But I think getting Hawkinson, certainly no disrespect to Irv Smith, but I think he's out for like eight to ten weeks. Also. Yeah, they lost Irv Smith. This could, I mean, even if they still had Irv Smith, I don't think they make the trade. But like, again, yeah, Irv Smith is a good ball player, but Hawkinson, like, this is a clear cut upgrade anyway. Uh huh, for sure. I mean, I think Hawkinson. Yeah, I mean, that's just another weapon added to that to that offense. I mean, Thielen and and Jefferson with Osborne at wide receiver three and like Rager as depth. I mean, is a good. Those are good receivers, and I think Hawkinson, I think he's a top five tight end. I mean, it's close, but, like, right now, I don't know. I mean, he's probably – I mean, guys like Kyle Pitts and Darren Moeller are good, but, I mean, I think Kelsey, Kittle, um, Andrews, um, yeah, Hawkinson, guys like that. Uh, yeah, and then, like, um, Waller and Pitts, I think those are the top. I might have forgot someone, but – Maybe Goddard Nerds. Those guys are like the best tight ends. So I think to get Hawkinson, I think certainly it's just another threat. Like even if Hawkinson doesn't get the ball that much, which I think he he will get a decent amount of touches just because you gotta show a lot of obviously you gotta show a lot of coverage to Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen's a good wide receiver too. And even if Hawkinson like doesn't get that many catches, I think that's gonna have to free up space for like Jefferson or Thielen more. Be just cause like TJ Hawkinson is a threat. Like, Irv Smith was good, but, like, Hawkinson's more of a threat you have to know about. So, I think it's definitely going to open up that offense even more. And, 
Yeah, I'm just a guy who's not like, you know, it was a cold take early on when I said I think like the Vikings can make like a deeper run than the Eagles. And like, I'm actually making it seem like it's such a cold take when the Vikings have lost one game this season. But like, I don't know, after that game, I'm kind of just like off them. Not like, I, I think they're good. I think they're, I'd honestly put them as, I'd, I'd put Dallas over them, to be honest. I know you don't like that because you're, you're a Giants fan, but. I don't know. I just think – I mean, both those teams really don't do that well in the playoffs usually. Um, I know the Vikings beat, like, the Saints a few years ago, but I don't know. I think Dallas's defense, I'm going to ride with more. And the Vikings with – I don't. I just don't trust, like, Kirk Cousins overall. I think he's a guy who, like, puts up good stats. But for, I'm just not, like, a Kirk Cousins full, like, believer. So I think this makes them better. But I think, like, the Vikings' ceiling – I don't see them getting past like the NFC divisional round. Like I don't see I don't think they make the NFC championship even with with or without Hawkinson. But I mean there is definitely an opening in the NFC. I think they're a talented team. I just don't see it happening. So I like the move, but I'm gonna be honest, like I just don't see them getting past um divisional round. Yeah, I mean, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, if you even look at the Vikings' victories, none of them are too, too inspiring. Besides maybe this past week at home against the Cardinals, that's probably their best win because they did beat the Dolphins without Tua. So aside from that, what they had that Lundy game where they beat the Saints. They had opening week where they beat the Packers, which at the time looked like a really nice victory, but right now looks like, eh, you know what I mean? So I, I was actually going to ask you then, would you take Dallas over Minnesota, which I would take Dallas over Minnesota too, especially if Tony Pollard is in the back there. I mean, Tony Pollard, 14 carries, 131 yards and three touchdowns as the featured back there. They went 49-29 over the Bears. The Bears actually look a little bit better, if you ask me, than I expected. They've been playing some decent football there. They run, they run the football really well too. But, yeah, I mean, Tony Pollard, it's just so obvious. It's been obvious for the past almost two years now that he's obviously more explosive than Zeke. I don't know what they're going to do when Zeke – like, Zeke still should have a role on this team. Don't get me wrong. Zeke is an awesome blocker, like, on third down, for example. Tony Pollard needs to play 70% of snaps. Like, he's too – he is way too good not to. He's way too explosive not to have 15-plus touches in a game. So, I, I he's going to be a free agent, too, at the end of this year. I don't – there's there's no reason why Dallas shouldn't run Pollard, like, into the ground, if you ask me, over these next nine. He, he's clearly so much be of a better option. Every carry that you give to Zeke takes away of a chance for Pollard hitting a home run and stuff like that. And like I said, Zeke should still have a role in this team, but like it shouldn't even be a timeshare 50-50, if you ask me. Pollard should more than doubtedly take the load of the work there because he's just so much more of an efficient runner and he's so much more explosive. Look at like Zeke at this stage. In his, in his career, every time I watch a Zeke Elliott run, he, you just don't ever see like a big type. He doesn't player. have the second. He doesn't have the second. Don't get me wrong. He can run some, but like he just doesn't have a second gear. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. Pollard got that extra gear. Could kick it into gear and like turn it into a gain of like twenty plus yards. Like I don't, I don't ever see Ezekiel Elliott do that anymore. I think like it's more like a. I'd say he's more of like a short yardage like type back now. Maybe like it's third and one. I think even Pollard could go in the game, but like that's where Zeke can like come into play like you're like on first and on like first down you're handing the ball off like Tony Pollard should be the guy he's gonna get more yards he's more explosive he's just right now like as a pure runner he's a better back I'm not saying like Ezekiel it doesn't do other things better like pet like blocking but when you're running the ball I think Tony Pollard's got to be in the game 
and he's got to get more carries than Ezekiel Elliott because clearly, I mean, the offense dropped 49 points. I know Dak was back too, but I don't know. You give you give Ezekiel Elliott 14 carries. Like, it's tough to compare that, but, like, same exact hole, same exact everything. Like, not he's not hitting the hole like that and kicking into gear and rushing for 131 yards. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, Dallas' yeah, offense has the best performance they've had all year. They looked really humming with Dak at quarterback, with how good their defense is, obviously, and stuff. You know, if their offense can resemble some sort of what it was on Sunday, like, they give themselves a chance to honestly be the second-best team in the NFC and honestly compete with Philadelphia. According to Pro Football Focus, too, Tony Pollard's the third-ranked rusher running back this year behind Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb. So, pretty good company. I mean, right there, the numbers really are in line. He's a spot ahead of Derrick Henry, too. So, again, this is it's not just some fluke or whatever, and it's not just somebody being like, oh, Pollard got three carries in this game. It's so obvious Zeke is better. No, it's it's clearly obvious that it has to be Pollard. Um, that kind of wraps up our NFC discussion, I guess. We won't even – like I said, we've talked so much about the Bucks and the Packers disappointing – we wanted to kind of shine light on some of these other teams finally performing. I will mention a couple other things. Alvin Kamara also had to mention him 158 total yards and three touchdowns as the Saints smoked the Las Vegas Raiders this week, 24-0. One other team that I'll mention, the Seattle Seahawks, another big win over the Giants. That kind of maybe clears up some of the NFC, maybe kind of try to rank teams again. The Giants and Seattle, I think, were tough teams to like peg where they belong. But I thought the Giants – Got just they they got outplayed in this game by Seattle, and then they fumbled twice on punts. Richie James probably won't be returning punts anymore for the Giants. Definitely shouldn't be. But yeah, a nice win for Seattle again against a playoff level team. If you ask me, in the Giants, they retain their lead in the NFC West again. I don't think that we're throwing Seattle in this second best conversation in the NFC, but I think that they're starting to really prove to people that, all right, like this isn't just a team that's like going to be a cool story with Geno Smith. This is going to be a team that honestly like probably is going to make the playoffs and they're going to find a way in there. Because I think I think right now, right now, Corey, if you have to say who's making, like you think Seattle makes the playoffs. I mean, yeah. I mean, right now, I think, I think they get in. Like you look at the playoffs, like even, I don't think they hold on in the NFC West. But I mean, right now, I think they're the second best team in that division. And when you're looking at the NFC, I think, yeah, the top four teams to me are the Eagles, Cowboys, Niners, and Viking. That's four. I mean, like seven teams make it. I mean, the Buccaneers, Packers, Rams. Well, you got to have a South winner. You said four. You got to have a South winner in there, so that's five. Uh, so then it's yeah. like a Seattle, the next of the best two. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, I do think there. I think them and – Maybe, yeah, the Giants or the Falcons. I think those are the type of teams we're looking at. Like, I don't think the Packers are going to make the playoffs. Like, I think if the Bucks, the Bucks would have to win their division, I think. Oh, for sure. They're going to be better than, to be honest. So, I don't know. Like, I think the Packers are in real trouble. They're way behind the Vikings in the NFC North, and I don't think they're going to be able to beat out, like, any of those other teams. Like, I honestly, right now, I'm taking the Seahawks over over the Packers. I'm taking them over the Bucks. I'm taking them over the Rams. Like those teams are just bad football teams right now. And honestly, I'm taking the Giants over those three teams too. And the Love Falcons, it. they're a competitive team. I don't know if I, I, I don't know. It's kind of bold to say I'm taking them over those three teams also. But I'm, I think like yeah, I said those four teams are my top tier. And I think my second tier, I'm gonna put yeah the Giants and in, in the in the Seahawks, and. 
after that. I mean, the Commanders, low-key on a three-game winning streak, but I'm taking the Seahawks over the Commanders. So mm-hmm. I think the Seahawks are a playoff team. I think they're going to they're gonna get a wild-card spot and, and get in. I think they're better than all the other teams I said before. Yeah, I think the big games for Seattle to circle, obviously this week is big with them against Arizona, but even more importantly, they still have two games on their schedule against the Rams. They're a game and a half up on the Rams right now. Yeah, at least got to split those games. You can't get swept in those. You get swept in those, you maybe fall jeopardy of the Rams leapfrogging you, and then you're in trouble if you ask me, because I think the Niners will ultimately also pass the Seahawks, which the Niners already beat the Seahawks, so they have one more game left. But the two games against the Rams on the Seahawks schedule will definitely be big games, as well as like the Giants, too. Like The Giants still have Philadelphia twice, and they have Dallas once. Like those are like obviously you want and I'm necessarily saying that like they have to win those games. No, but like you you'd like not to go 0 3 in those games. That would kind of be that would leave maybe a sour taste in your mouth on like what you see like realistic season expectations being, then you definitely kind of like lower those a little bit. Corey, let's pivot on over to second year quarterbacks because this quarterback class in 2021 was talked about so much. It it's been rough these past couple weeks. Trevor Lawrence core, I think it was after the Chargers game, I want to say that was after week three, right? We were coming on here. We were loving Trevor Lawrence. I even made one of the worst takes of my season so far. And I said, all right, Trevor Lawrence maybe gets hot a little bit. Maybe he could circle himself into MVP conversations. Boy, has that went wrong. I mean, he lo- they lost their fifth straight game, the Jaguars. He's been rough. It's been rough there. The, the bright side for them. They did go grab Calvin Ridley from the Atlanta Falcons. He will be back in 2023. I love the move. It gives him a true alpha number one receiver, which, yes, he has Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones. None of those guys are like your prototype and as talented as Calvin Ridley. So I love giving Lawrence a chance. But, like, at the same time, it's almost like with this move for Ridley now, it's like, all right, Trevor, like, the clock the clock is ticking. Like, I know, obviously, like – you're not moving on from him after year two and stuff like that. But with Ridley in year three, year three now is going to become a huge, like, th- like I don't want to say this is it, but, like, we, we have to see what we really have in new Trevor Lawrence because, like, we're getting a lot of inconsistency out of him, if you ask me, especially throughout the first eight weeks of 2022. Yeah, man, I mean, I think you, you're talking about stock down. It's got to be this QB. Um, it's got to be the sophomore QB class. I think Trevor Lawrence came out the gate – strong when they when the Jags started off two two and one yeah they've dropped they dropped five in a row so I mean he really hasn't done well in really like any of those games that they've lost in and I mean yeah I mean Lawrence a guy I think we were all hopping like all over the Trevor Lawrence bandwagon and yes I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback but I think Trevor Lawrence coming out of college was like a generational type talent I think he is but like I think a guy like him, I think his expectations, it's like weird though, because like Lawrence, I thought, I felt like coming out of college, like his expectations were super high, like they were. But I think he's a guy like last year, obviously, he didn't do good. And then he started off this year good. And like he's kind of fell back into, I wouldn't say last year, but really not playing like great football right now. And I still think he's not really getting talked about that much. Like maybe I don't watch a lot of TV. But I feel like he's not – like his performance is not getting talked about a lot. Like for a guy who coming out of college was supposed to be like a generational like stud MVP, like like guy who could take your franchise like up 
I don't I, I don't think he's delivered. I know, like, yeah, I think bringing in Calvin Ridley certainly helps. So, I mean, you bring in, like, a legit wide receiver one next year, I think. Like, you're right. I think maybe you get this guy with Christian Kirk, um, ETN out of the backfield. I think eventually, like, the time is going to, like, start ticking. And I think he is going to be their quarterback. But I think, like, the Jags and everybody that expected Trevor Lawrence to, like, come back, like, one day he, he could be, like, an MVP caliber player. And, like, right now, like, he just doesn't have the consistency for it. I think Calvin really would have to wait till next year to get him to play and see what he can do with him. But, like, yeah, right now he's just not consistent enough. He's still young. I think he could get there. But, yeah, he's just – He's just, yeah, he's just not consistent enough right now. Yeah, I think maybe some people just give him a pass because he's always oh, Trevor Lawrence and like he's supposed to be this quarterback prodigy, obviously. And he's going to be like everybody's just like, all right, he's going to be good. So like you kind of give him a pass and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, he turned, he's turning the football over a ton, especially on this five game losing streak and stuff like that. So you got Doug Peterson. Obviously, you want to kind of throw out the year with Urban Meyer. Like, yeah, that's fine. But like now we're kind of seeing like, we saw some like signs of growth. Now we're maybe seeing a step back here. Let's get right for the rest of the season now, Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville. Kind of get your season back on track because it was looking promising for Jacksonville to potentially even be the winner of the AFC South. We were talking, but at this point, I mean, they've definitely regressed a ton to the mean. So uh, I'm fortunate there. Another guy, if you ask me, who was maybe not getting talked about enough for his struggles, if you ask me, just because the Jets are playing so well, Zach Wilson. And let me tell you something, Corey, Zach Wilson. A really tough day on Sunday against the New England Patriots. Three interceptions, just some of them just questionable. Like, just throw the ball away. Inexcusable. Even for a second-year quarterback. Uh, under pressure, Zach Wilson has been horrendous. But the worst quarterback in football this year, under pressure and stuff. Again, the Jets went into this season hoping, bringing in a lot of pieces, saying, can Zach Wilson be our guy? It's a shame that they've had so many injuries up front to their offensive line. But – Performances like Sunday definitely don't um, bode well for Wilson chances sticking around and getting another shot in 2023. Like I said, it's an ongoing evaluation and stuff like that, but it, it's upsetting if you ask me. I don't know how you feel like as a Jets fan again to just see like, like maybe not like the progression that you expected and like kind of steps backwards. You know what I mean? At least like if you're like, you, you never like to see your quarterback moving in the wrong direction. Yeah. I mean, I think. The, the the Jets are a team who's been searching for a franchise quarterback for, for a while. I mean, the last time they really took – I mean, Sam Donald obviously didn't pan out. And before that, they took – um like, the, I think, the, like, they took Mark Sanchez early in the first round. And honestly, he was pretty good. I mean, he got up to two AFC championship games. But, like, since then, like, guys have just not done well. I know they took a guy in the second round. I'm blanking on his name. Hackenberg. Taylor. Oh, no, he was from Penn State. Hackenberg um, was Penn State. Baylor, Bryce Petty in the fourth Petty, round. Geno yeah. Smith. Gino, hey, Gino. No, it was all right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean they, fit, they fit Patrick as like a stopgap there. But yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. it, it, it's, it's unfortunate that you guys haven't had your franchise quarterback. Like, I don't even want to say Sanchez was like a franchise guy, but at least like Sanchez was a guy who like you thought maybe like you had a little bit for the future, whereas like, yeah. you haven't had that since. I mean, yeah, I mean, I watched this game. I think like Wilson – the thing I noticed about these Jets quarterbacks, I think even when like Darnold was here, obviously Darnold not doing good um, when he was in Carolina. Obviously he's not playing this year, but like you just don't see a lot of like consistent like rise mm-hmm. from the quarterback. Like I don't know, I I watched Sam Darnold a lot with the Jets, and like 
it's it's the same stuff in the offseason. Like they're acting like the quarterback didn't make a jump. And like I want to believe it, but I just never, never see it. And even with Zach Wilson, like all this summer, I mean, I know the guy, I think it was more like because this guy's out here messing around with like MILFs. I think everyone's like, he's got that dog in him. Like it gives him like like, yeah, I mean, the guy, the guy, that guy's a cool guy. He's got a, he's got the dog in him, but like comes to the football field, like, no, like he does not really look much better from last year. If it wasn't for Brees Hall, I don't know if the Jets are really five and three, to be honest. I mean, the run game has carried the Jets. And I think with Brees Hall going out, I think it's a prime example, like prime opportunity for Zach Wilson to step up his game and show why he was the number two pick in the draft. And he, he just didn't do it on Saturday. I mean, Sunday. I mean, I'll give him – I mean, I'm going to give him some more games. But, like, the three interceptions – the thing about Zach is he he's good at, like, not getting sacked. Like, he's good at, like, creating. But then at the end of the day, he usually does not complete those passes. Like, the thing like Mahomes – yeah, like, you always see those things on, like, ghetto Gronk and stuff. It's like mm-hmm. it's like Zach Wilson's, like, a drunk or, like, blindfolded, like – Patrick Mahomes and Gosh, I was like, he like he like tries to like do these crazy like spin like I'm I, I like I can't like I always think of the this one they did against like the Broncos and stuff like that and like he tries like to spin out of sacks like don't get me wrong like he doesn't get sacked but like he just like keeps going twenty yards back down the field like he just he keeps going backwards pass. and stuff it just turns into an incomplete pass or a, or an interception because this guy's trying or an to, like, interception yeah not throw it out of bounds yeah I mean there were some bad decisions on on Sunday I know there was like one. Right before the half, the Jets were it was ten to three, and he throws an interception, and then gave the Patriots like good field position. It's and then the Patriots ended up throwing a pick six, but called the late hit, and they ended up getting uh three points out of it. I think so. Yeah, I mean Wilson, I just need to see some like progression because I mean Brees Hall. I think we all knew like we saw like how good the Jets were playing. They were winning games. I think we all saw like Zach Wilson's literally throwing for like. 100 like 20 yards 150 yards and now with no breeze hall like it's time for him to step up and clearly he did not do that on sunday i mean that's that's a tough one as a jets fan like in that organization because i mean that defense the jets defense played really well there were multiple times like zach wilson throwing interceptions and they're and even on like special teams like the patriots started a lot of that game with good field position to be honest and for the Jets defense to hold them to five field goals, I mean, like they did their job. I think that game is on the offense. It's on Zach Wilson. Um, it's on the it's just on everyone on the offense. I think that defense played well. It's a team game, but the defense did their job. I really liked the defense. It was just, yeah, I mean, that that's just a winnable game. Like New England is nothing special of a team. And yeah, I mean, if Zach Wilson does not throw three interceptions, giving them like good field position on like Several of them, I think the Jets win that game. So he's just got to be smarter, throw the ball away. And, like, if you're going to be doing these, like, special spin moves, like, I don't know. I mean, he just never completes the pass on them. So I guess it's cool, but you never have a confidence like he's going to find a receiver. If anything, he's going to throw an interception or throw it out of bounds. So, I mean, he's just got to be smarter. That's basically it. Yeah, he's got, he's got to be more consistent. And he's got to start taking easier, it seems like. It seems like that's, like – a big problem with him too. And like, that will get you like, like those kind of go hand in hand. Like you start taking easy, like you you start consistently like finding smaller games and stuff like that. That'll just open up everything bigger for him. Yeah. I'm not even going to talk about Mac Jones and his struggles too, but that kind of even just plays into the second year problems. Cause Mac Jones again also was not great 
this past Sunday, as well as Davis Mills, who lost to Malik Willis. I mean, I'm not going to blame that on Davis Mills. The Titans ran for a ton of yards on them. What a surprise. Derek Henry does it all the time against the Texans. I will mention another second-year quarterback, the last of the five, the big five, if you ask me this year, playing without Trey Lance there. Justin Fields, like I said, he's actually looked pretty good as as all of these other guys have looked bad these past couple weeks. Justin Fields has actually looked probably the best that he has. Then they bring in Chase Claypool. Do they overpay for him? Possibly a little bit of second-round pick, especially because the Bears pick is going to be in the high 30s, low 40s. Is maybe a little rich for Chase Claypool with only a year and a half left on his deal. But he's a true outside receiver, a guy who really hasn't gotten a chance to shine with the Steelers, the way that they've been using him. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how those two definitely pair together. And I think it's, again, that's a step in the right direction. You want to see your young QB, if he if he's the guy, go get him a guy like Chase Claypool. So, good move by Ryan Poles and the Chicago Bears there. And let's see through the second half of the year. I mean, this is a huge spot for these young quarterbacks. Again, can they instill enough faith in their franchise to either give them another year or potentially, like, if they're already planning on giving them another year, like a Lawrence, like solidify themselves as like the guy for years to come now. Mm-hmm. One last game and one last throw that we'll mention real quick, or just in the interest of time before we get into our game picks. Yeah. DJ Walker's throw to DJ Moore. I mean, I know the Panthers don't ultimately end up winning the game because Pinheiro missed the extra point after DJ Moore was wrongfully flagged. But I mean, for a guy, PJ Walker, who threw two completions in front of the line of scrimmage that game against the Rams, that throw was unbelievable. It should be talked about as probably one of the best throws of the season. DJ Moore is finally getting out of the doghouse there in Carolina. The bigger story of the game will be that Atlanta won this game after almost blowing it like the Falcons always do. But yeah, good NFC South battle. And like I said, I don't think I didn't have PJ Walker making the throw of the year on my bingo card. So. Hats off to him, uh, and hats off to the Atlanta Falcons, first place in the NFC South. I, I remember in the preseason episode, you were a little optimistic about the Falcons. I said the Falcons would be the worst team in the league, and they're anything but. They're competing in football games, so good for them. I mean, the Falcons are a team. I mean, year in, year out, they they compete. Like, I know they – they like, early in the year, like, even their record wasn't great, but they play close games. You want a team who's good – I know they were, like, the best team against the spread because, like, they just – yeah, they just hang around. They play a lot of close games. I know they didn't really play close games like Cincinnati um, like two weeks ago. But, yeah, I mean, this was about P.J. Walker. I know he made uh, that great throw to, to D.J. Moore, I think. Yeah, I mean, an XFL quarterback, I mean, his journey is, is pretty inspirational. I know it just shows. I mean, Baker Mayfield, former first round, former first overall pick, Sam Darnold. I mean, they have two quarterbacks who – or top three picks in in the same draft, actually. Like, I didn't even realize that. Like, they're in the same draft, 2018 draft. Two of the two quarterbacks drafted in the top three, and they're both getting beaten out by a guy who's an XFL quarterback. So, I mean, the Panthers are kind of, kind of a mess, but, I mean, P.J. Walker, at least he's balling. I know that first, that first start, we were kind of, like, clowning him because the guy didn't throw one pass across the line of scrimmage, but – I mean, now he's slinging passes all the way downfield to to, to DJ Moore. So uh, I'm rooting for PJ Walker. I mean, it's hard. To, he's a hard guy not to root for. But yeah, yeah, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I don't know. You really think they could? You do you think the Falcons are going to win the NFC South, or like you think the Bucks are somehow? I'm not going to count out the Saints either. But like, you think the Bucks are somehow still going to win this division? 
Yes. I'm done. If the Falcons win this division, I will be utterly shocked. I don't care that they, they, they compete. I'll give it to them again. But like, if you ask me like the Falcons, that's like, no, the Bucks will win this division. There's, there's no way I can talk oh. myself into the Atlanta Falcons winning this division. Although it would be crazy. It would be crazy. Like I said, they deserve the benefit of the doubt because they run the football really well and stuff like that. Week in and week out, they're going to get Cordell and Patterson back, but I, I just don't personally see it happening. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping somehow Tom Brady can get it going. I mean, you know, well, I'm a guy. I, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna cut you off a little bit, Court, because I'm gonna say I hope Tom Brady gets it going too because he's hosting the Los Angeles Rams this week. And Court, again, we're going right into our game picks here. This is a game that you would have circled preseason and been like, oh wow, week eight, Bucks Rams is a good spot. This game is gross right now to have to watch at 4:25, America's game of the week this week. Bucks are three point favorites here, Court. I'll start with you first, man. This is bad versus worse. Like, who are you picking? I'm, I, I, I'm still stunned. Like, I can't believe. Like, I, I, I barely got a reason to pick in this game. Yeah, this is this is a pretty bad game. I'm gonna take. I'll take the Bucks minus three with some like ugly, ugly score. I guess I'll say, you know, I don't know. I'll I'll take I'll take the Bucks, sixteen. I mean, maybe it's like a, maybe it's like a push. I think they win this game. It's a one position game. I think this is the under is the play. I'll take like the Bucks, right. like sixteen to ten or like sixteen to thirteen, like a low score and ugly type game. I think the Bucks win this game, though. Yeah, I'm gonna side with the Bucks, and like it just bothers me because my reasoning in the past couple of weeks has been like, oh, the Bucks eventually have to turn it around, and I'm completely off that because that's just BS at this point. Because clearly they proved me week in and week out that they don't. If I have to give something. I have more faith in the Buccaneers' run game and their misheveled offensive line than I do the Rams. And even with building off that, I have I have more faith in Tom Brady airing the ball out than I do Matthew Stafford at this point too. I actually think that as bad as both of them have been, like Tom, like Tom Brady's definitely been the better quarterback between the two there. The defenses, I know they just lost Shaq Barrett, the Bucs, and they're a little banged up in their secondary, which bothers me. They just got absolutely gashed on the ground. But guess what? Who, who's running the football for the Rams? Nobody. So, like, I don't think that that's going to be as big of a problem as it was, especially last week against the Ravens. So, yeah, I'll side with the Bucks here in a game that whoever wins this game, hopefully they can, like, get something going and that sparks a winning streak. And forever loses this game is in a real tough spot because that would drop the Rams to 3-5 and five and it would drop the Bucks to 3-6, and six, which is just gross at this point of the year. The Titans are 12.5-point underdogs against the Chiefs. I'll start with this. The Chiefs are coming off a bye week. I think me and you will both agree that the Chiefs are the winner here straight up in this game, unless you want to go crazy. I will take the Titans, though, plus 12.5, pending Ryan Tannehill's playing, so maybe that line does change a little bit. I know even with Tannehill banged up, I'll still take it. I just think that the Titans can do a pretty good job of I think they make it down in the game, but I think they have a chance early on, at least maybe, to run the football well on the Chiefs. The Chiefs' run defense is not good. The Titans, obviously, all they want to do is run the football. Maybe that keeps Mahomes off the field, at least for a little bit and temporarily, and kind of cuts the spread enough. Like, keep, you know what I mean? Like, keep the game close enough that the spread is intact. So, again, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a close game. I think. 10 points. Vrabel normally has his guys up for these types of games, aside from earlier in the year when they got absolutely smoked by Buffalo. But, yeah, I'll take the Titans plus 12 and a half, but the Chiefs to ultimately win. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this Tennessee team is good. And 
No, I mean, I think a lot of their wins this year, while like while they've made up some ground, it was against, yeah, they beat the Colts twice. They beat the Texans. They beat the Raiders. I don't know. I just don't, I mean, yeah. I don't think they really, I don't really, I really don't think they're a good team. So, you know, at home, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm going to go with them minus 12 and a half. I think they win this game by two touchdowns plus. So I'm going to take the Chiefs. Yeah, Andy Reid off that bye week, he absolutely thrives off an extra week of preparation. The last game, the Monday Night Football game, the Ravens are two and a half points playing the Saints in New Orleans. This is probably a pretty good environment for the Saints, and the Saints did get back on track with a nice victory. It doesn't matter to me. I think the Ravens are a severely better football team here. Two and a half points, I'll take it. Uh, Again, the Saints, I know Andy Dalton's been decent. I know that I wonder if he's going to still stay a quarterback this week or if it's going to be Jameis Winston. But with the Ravens, again, I think that their ability to run the football, they need Mark Andrews back ultimately. But with how well that they played against the Buccaneers, I think that with Mark Andrews out, I think that the Saints getting them maybe off a game where they – I thought they overexceeded. I didn't think they were going to beat the Raiders that bad. I'll take the Ravens here minus two and a half. Mm -hmm. I think this is a – I mean, the Saints coming off a win. I think I think this will be a close game, though. I think the Ravens are a team who, like – yeah, like I said earlier, they're not, like, a very convincing team. Like, they're always in games, like, regardless. So, I think the I think the, the, the Ravens win this game off a Justin Tucker game-winning field goal. So, I'll take a minus two and a half, and they win this game by three points. Like, I think this is a close game. So I love I love how you always pick like the exact you try to pick like exact scenarios yeah. or stuff like that. Or you always try to pick like the low scoring games and stuff like that. I can't wait till it hits. So hopefully Justin Tucker in the dome on Monday night football knocks down a game winning field goal. I think I think I mean he did it against the Lions on Monday night football. I remember it was like a sixty one yarder. I was that that was probably it was probably in Ford Field too, so it was probably in the dome. I don't know, maybe recreating history a little bit. Who knows? But yeah. with that being said. That's going to be it for today's episode. Core, anything else you want to kind of add? Nah, not really. I mean, I'm going to try to tune in to more games this weekend. But, yeah, I mean, football Sunday, I, I've kind of been slacking a little bit. But, I mean, this weekend, try to lock in, you know, try to watch some football and, and enjoy it. So, I mean, the games this week aren't great. Hopefully my Jets don't get smoked by the Bills. But, yeah, uh, I'm going to try to enjoy some football this weekend. Yeah, listen, sometimes you get caught up, especially if, like, one of the games on national TV and stuff, it doesn't let you bounce around as much. Only two games in the 4 o'clock slate this week, so definitely maybe a little easier to get some eyes on there. And one of the games, of course, is the Bucks and the Rams, which is definitely a uh, de- de- definitely a bit a little disappointing. But with that being said, that's going to do it for today's episode. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.